Welcome to the Guardian Podcast with Wren Melberg. My name is Harold Nickel. This week on the program, Wren will discuss with us some much-needed steps that parents or anyone with children in their lives needs to take to protect the privacy of those very same youngsters. This is in the wake of the hack of Hong Kong-based VTech. VTech's a maker of a lot of different types of electronic learning toys. That hack exposed personal information about over 6.4 million children. And before we get into the actual steps that Ren will describe for us, Ren, why, why does VTech need to collect information about children? Well, that's what's kind of interesting about this. The uh, justification from VTech is that it's uh, to assure that the kids have proper access to the apps, and etc. Mm-hmm. But as we know, it's really the purchases of those apps and games was done by the parents, mm-hmm. not the children. Right. Um, the the real reason I suspect is it helps them with marketing and selling additional products and services to the children. Okay. And and we've seen that with other, um, you know, uh, similar products in the mm-hmm. market. Place. You know, um, there were complaints a few years ago about Disney. I think you might remember that. Sure. And collect how much personal information they were collecting from kids who were using their apps and their online games. Mm-hmm. And, and it was very clear that that information was being used to then market to the children. Yeah, and they were roundly criticized for that, and, and rightfully right. so. Yes. Because the reason why um, we have restrictions on when, you, you know, how old you have to be to buy certain things is because at certain ages, we're incredibly vulnerable to suggestion. That's and right. we don't have the ability, the discernment to be able to go, wait a minute, that's, I don't really want that. Right. I'm not interested in that. Or that's not really right for me, right? And that's why marketing, let's be honest, mm-hmm. is geared towards the young because they're vulnerable. Sure. They don't they don't direct marketing towards forty year olds. No. Even though we're the ones that have the money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't because it's harder to market to us. It's harder to convince people in their forties, for example, um, or older, or even in your thirties to buy stuff that you really don't need and you really don't want. <laughs> That's right. It's very easy to do that with children. Sure. And that's why parents should be very, very aware of what information is being collected about their children, first mm-hmm. of all, and then how that information is being used, mm-hmm. second of all, and third, how that information is being yeah, and I guess, you know, to the point that you made a moment ago, I, I totally get that the end users of VTEX products, that those are children, but like you say, the actual customers are, are parents and guardians. Mm-hmm. So it's worth mentioning that records of adults in this hack were also compromised. It just still 
you know, to me at least, begs the question about data from and about the kids. And I think you said a second ago it was about marketing, but uh, I don't know. That just that rubs me the wrong way, does it you? <laughs> yes, and I think it should. Mm. You know, that's probably an area where, as a society, we're not as vigilant um, with the online world mm-hmm. as we are. I mean, you look at it, the restrictions of commercials on TV, mm-hmm. and even the way they have, they're required to word certain things. Like, they have to put in the ad that you have to ask your parent first. Oh, okay. Right? We've all seen that. Mm-hmm especially with kids, and he's watching children's television with those kids. You've seen this over and over and over again. Make sure you ask your parent first. Yeah, yeah. They don't have to do that for online things. Mm. And they don't. And that's something that parents should be mindful, mindful of. Yes, yeah, and, and to be honest, you know, we don't have young children, and it's been a while since I uh, saw any children's television. <laughs> so um, that they actually say, ask ask your parents, it, that's a good thing, but that same uh, rule or law didn't didn't uh, stretch across to the to the cyber world. But let's shift gears for for a moment, and let's discuss governance and corporate social responsibility. According to an article I read in Forbes, there are vulnerabilities in the company's InnoTab Max tablet that the company's known about for two years. Do you think the company made a conscious choice to just ignore that problem, or were they somehow ignorant about that vulnerability? You know, honestly, it's really hard to tell, and the company isn't answering these very important questions, including on their own website. They have an FAQ. If people want to uh, uh, go take a look at that, they're being vague. Um, Their answers are pretty general, and in some cases, um, they just don't even answer. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really hard to know. They also have not acknowledged, as far as I know and have been able to find in my research, that the vulnerability has existed past when they were alerted um, to the breach. Um, And it's interesting, they became alerted to the breach by a member of the press. Mm -hmm. Um, That's never good. (laughs) As a governance person, that just kind of makes your head explode a little bit. Yes, it does. Um, that's, the, that's the worst place. And, and, and you also know that if the press knew, that means that they had customers who were trying to let them know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a reasonable yeah, because conclusion. Because the press doesn't find these things out before your customers do. That's right. It's not how it works. Right? right, unless that member of the press happens to be a customer and just happened to be one of the first people who figured it out, but statistically, that's a little unlikely. What's more I would likely say. is the customers have been reporting this breach, weren't getting satisfaction, and contacted a member of the press. 
Yeah, I think that's a very reasonable uh, conclusion to go to because, uh, like you say, um, reporters are busy, and there are some of them who have that kind of expertise, but not a whole lot of them. Um, so that it came from mm -hmm. a complaint from the public, that seems that seems more likely, or at least more reasonable. Right, which is why there's the speculation or the general uh, perception that this is something that VTech has known about for a while. Mm -hmm. And for one reason or another, chose to not address it until a member of the press contacted them. Yeah, and that kind of gets to reputation management. Right. And does it remind you of Volkswagen? Oh, mercy. Does it ever. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. Back to it, another, another, you know, breach, but a different kind, but very similar. In people had been bringing this to their attention for a couple of years. The group that did the research and proved that Volkswagen had been misrepresenting the performance of their diesel vehicles brought it to Volkswagen's attention. Volkswagen still didn't do anything about it. So that group then took it to the media, and then that's when Volkswagen <laughs> decided to deal with it. Yeah. Right? The, the, the worst place, because now it's public, um, now it's a crisis. Same thing with VTech. Now mm -hmm. it's a crisis. Now it's costing VTech millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. It costs Volkswagen millions of dollars. This is the most expensive way to deal with an incident like this. And proves once again that ignoring a problem and hoping it goes away is not a good strategy. No. <laughs> not, not, from, not from any point of view. And, you know, exactly. The, you mentioned the company not answering questions. There was a specific one in the Forbes article about security. They wouldn't answer mm -hmm. questions about security or even if they had somebody, someone dedicated to that task, why would, I mean, it's a pretty simple question and choosing not to answer it, it makes them seem guilty, don't you think? It does. And that's why it's kind of a curious approach. And I'm sure there's some crisis management PR people listening, going, shaking their heads. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked about this. When you have messaging like that and you have such a glaring blank mm -hmm. in the message, right? People always fill it in with the worst possible answer. Yes. So, and we've seen this in, in the speculation um, and all the conversations going on about this VTech breach is them, them not answering that question. People are interpreting that as VTech does not have any information security. Yeah, that's like you say, nature hates a vacuum and they'll fill it with the worst possible outcome. Now, kind of along right. those lines, they, they VTech, hired a company to secure their data and investigate the hack after the fact. I know that this is going to sound silly, but why not do that First, <laughs> why not do that to have this, you know, have these kinds of safeguards in place beforehand? Right. What? 
Well, and there's two parts to that, too. So one is your point that, well, isn't it cheaper and easier to avoid the breach? Yes, absolutely, across the board. There's no comparison. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that they've had to suspend as many revenue-generating websites as they have Mm -hmm. tells you, I mean, we don't know the actual numbers, and they don't have to report them to us because they're in Hong Kong. They're not in the United States. So we may never know the real cost of this breach, but imagine... I mean, you you look at their website, globally, um, they, they've they shut down about 10 revenue-generating websites. I don't remember the exact number, but mm-hmm. it's a significant list. Sure. And globally, they have something like 20, 25 million regular subscribers. Wow. Children. So it doesn't take a lot to go, ooh, this is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. This is expensive. Um, so it's really e- in, in easy to go, okay, most organizations of their size would probably have one or two um, scrum teams dedicated to just security. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's That's not that hugely expensive compared to all the revenue they're losing right now. Yeah. So that's the first part. The second part of them making that announcement is it goes back to your previous question about they wouldn't answer whether or not they already have security, data right. specifically data security. Them hiring an outside organization actually makes it look like they didn't. Yeah. So it makes them look guiltier. And I'm sure that wasn't their intention. <laughs> Probably not. But the perception is that, oh, they had to go outside. Well, then that means they never, they didn't have security and, it, you know, they didn't care about data security and they don't care about our safety. And, yeah, we all know where that goes if you're the customer, right? If you feel like the people you're giving your money to every month, because mm-hmm. these are subscription services. That's right. Um, so you're giving them money every month. Uh, in a lot of cases, not all, because some of them do have a one-time fee, but some of some of it's subscription services, mm-hmm. and they don't care about you. Are you going to continue to give them money? Well, no. Yeah, and, and the answer is probably not. Yeah. Yeah, it, of course not. I'm go, especially when they do their competitors, and it's a, they have competitors, and it's a com- highly competitive market. You mm-hmm. can easily, as a parent, go to somebody else. That's right. That's right. And, you know, reputations are hard won. Let's talk about Agile. So for yeah. Agile or, or Scrum teams who who arrive at VTech, what would Ren do on day one at VTech to start securing this information? You know, I keep coming back to this because it keeps it's the lowest cost solution that gets you the fastest results, two results mm-hmm. faster, I should say, is stand up a scrum team. I'd probably start between five and seven, wouldn't go more than 10 people mm-hmm. that really know information, data, security, mm-hmm. especially at VTech, um, and focus all their energies on deconstructing how this happened, mm-hmm. one, 
um, and really do resolve and close any breaches. Because mm-hmm. we do know certain hackers like to leave little Easter eggs and footprints yes. in our system so they can come back later mm-hmm. easily. Um, then like we often refer to it as creating your own back door. Yes. Um, and we've talked about backdoor breaches before and, and how those are worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is a good example. This has all the hallmark, hallmarks of a backdoor breach. They came in through the back, mm-hmm. probably through some corporate systems. Um, even though there's a lot of blame on the tablets, the volume of data that was accessed actually suggests that it wasn't the front door, the tablet. It was probably... Corporate yeah. systems again, like with Ashley Madison. You read my mind. I was just thinking about Ashley Madison. Yep. Right. About the hack, not, you know. <laughs> right. She's <laughs> so funny. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and so get this team focused on first diagnosing what actually happened, how did this occur, mm-hmm. to um, shutting it down and making sure that it's a, as complete as possible shutdown. And then the third thing is creating a continuous improvement process of identifying breaches themselves, getting them shut down, and creating a fast response team and yes. process for breaches. Every single company, and I can't say this emphatically enough, every single company should be doing this. You have to assume if you're on the internet, you are vulnerable. That's yes. for people and it's for companies. And if you are managing personal data, that data is always vulnerable. That's right. That's and right. you have a fiduciary responsibility as a corporation. If you are requiring the collection of that data, then you have a fiduciary responsibility to protect that data. That's right. And, and if there are real-world consequences if you don't. Ask Ashley Manison. They're not doing so hot right now. No. And, you know, I, I ask this. I, I think I already know the answer. But I guess if you're not already approaching your online security like this, you should probably start, shouldn't you? Yes. And like I said, it's, it's fairly low cost relative to the cost mm-hmm. of breaches and probably relative to the cost of the rest of your development that's going on in your company. Um, and it can be done fairly quickly. Like that team could be delivering value usually in about three weeks. We have a week of training and development and teach, you know, getting them set up and then you have a two-week sprint and at the end of that two-week sprint, your company is already starting to see value from the work that they're doing. And then every two weeks, you're going to see additional value, additional security, things that they're finding, ways that they're helping to improve your company. And that includes your customer's confidence in your company. Yeah. And it's not going to cost $30 million to have a (laughs) seven-person scrum team, I don't think. Not even close. Even if you go out there and you get, like, the most expensive uh, data security guys who used to work for the NSA, you're not going to mm. be spending $30 million on five people. Right. Okay, so let's let's get then to the real issue here, and, and that's how to plan for and protect 
the information about our children. And, you know, they don't typically have bank accounts or credit cards. So tell us what what needs protecting. So the filter that I want to invite parents to think about when presenting data, either about your children, either yourself or what you allow children, your children to put into a system like VTEX. Mm-hmm. One, is that information that a predator could use to make it seem like they already know your child? We all raise our child for about stranger danger, mm-hmm. right? So that's why predators work really hard to get personal information about our children so they can approach our children as someone who's not a stranger. It puts okay. our kids' guard down. Now, adults are different, right? Mm-hmm. We don't look for those cues that this person tells me they know me, mm-hmm. right? Even if somebody walks up to us and says, hey, you know, Rin, I met you at this conference, we immediately go into our brains and we have to find that conference and we have to find right. that contact. We're validating it. That's right. We don't automatically assume we know that person. Kids don't do that. Literally, all it takes is that person saying to a eight-year-old, let's say eight-year-old Harold, Harold, Mm -hmm. I heard it's your birthday today, and it really Mm -hmm. is your birthday. That kid goes, oh, this person knows me. Yeah. That person is no longer a stranger to them. And that's why we should, as parents, we should be really concerned about the kind of data that was leaked about our kids. These are their chats. Mm. These are their questions, their security identification questions. These are all things that a predator wants to be able to use to convince your child that they're not a stranger, therefore they're not a danger. Right. So that's the first filter, right? Okay. You want to think about that. The second one is... You should be protecting your child's data the same way you protect yours from identity theft. Okay. And parents don't. And you actually should be more vigilant Mm -hmm. because the chances of your child's identity getting uh, stolen and you finding out in any kind of reasonable time frame Mm -hmm. is really, really low. Stealing an adult identity is a little trickier because most of us are have some sort of credit or whatever that's active. Right. And so we're going to know, usually most of us will know within a month or so, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Our kids, most of them, you know when most kids find out their identity was stolen when they were a child? When they apply to go to college and they can't get student loans. Oh, yeah. Is that when you want to find this out? It's already been going on for years. And can you imagine the mess they have to unravel? Boy, isn't that the truth? Torture. Yeah. I worked with one client who, (laughs) the person who stole their identity, took out all these student loans Mm -hmm. and didn't repay them. They didn't even go to the school. They just took the money. Oh, goodness. And I sat there with the company and they're like well how do we know this wasn't you and I looked at the man and I said these loans were taken out when she was 11 what 11 year old would need loans to go to college at 11 
That's a, yeah. And he goes, that's a really good point. <laughs> Boy, isn't it? <laughs> like, no, if you're going to college at 11, you're going for free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. True, true. Yeah, and then I, true. you know, but we literally had to go down in these offices. And of course, you know, your kids will almost always, or you for on behalf of your children, will need to hire an advocate, hire someone to help sort all this out. So it's very expensive. And it's traumatizing for the 17, 18-year-old who's trying to start their life, and this is how they're supposed to start their financial life. Yeah. 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 It's, Yeah, It's not good. So, there, you know, we've talked about it, and, you know, think of the checklist. So the things you never want to tell other people. Right, right. Your child's full birth date. Okay, okay. Ever. Believe it or not, don't put it on the Internet. Okay, your child's okay. full name. Mm-hmm. Don't put it on the Internet. One of the things that I um, encourage people to do is never have your child use their real name on games. Okay, okay. That way they know that if the person uses their game name, their online name, mm-hmm. that person doesn't really know them. Okay, okay. It's a really good cue. Be careful with the security questions. One of the things I've started doing is my answers to security questions are lies, but they're lies that I know. Okay, okay. So, for instance, when they ask me for my pet's name, it's not my pet's name. That's very smart. So if anybody knows my pet's name, they're going to put the wrong answer in there. Right. Um, You know, work with your kids and stuff like that. You should be doing that yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I've really strongly telling people, since we live such open lives now, Mm -hmm. our online lives are so open, don't tell the truth (laughs) on these security questions. Yeah. It's too easy for people. And we see this over and over again. It's like celebrities have had their accounts hacked because people figured out the the real answer to the security questions. Don't tell the truth on the security questions. Yeah. But then be careful and make sure you remember the lie. <laughs> yeah, because then you're locked out of your own thing. But... Then you're locked out. Yeah, then you're kind of, you know, you're screwed. But yeah. so, um, and I know that's going to be really hard. With your kids, because we want to teach our kids not to lie. Right. That's right. But so it's gonna, not going to be an easy conversation, and I'm very aware of that. But we, there are ways that we can have that conversation. Sure. Them. Sure, and I wouldn't necessarily frame it as a lie. I would frame it as a security issue. Right. And, right. And, and just say, I understand, but why don't we put mommy or daddy's answer? Mm-hmm. In for the name of our first pet, or the name of the street we lived on when we were kids, right. or the name you know is is because they're most likely going to be different than our children. Sure, yeah. Um, and that way we're not putting our child's information out there, and I can't emphasize enough. And this also is incredibly pertinent to VTech. Mm-hmm. Working with our children. Coaching them, mentoring them to not give personal information on these chats. Right. The, one of the things that's suspected but has not been confirmed is that um, millions of online conversations were also breached. Oh, jeez. 
And so it's very easy in these chats for our kids to have given away personal information that could make them vulnerable. Yeah, it sounds like it. I had thought... And, oh, I'm sorry, and, and so we, we just have to be... And, 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 you know, this is where I recommend parents sit down with their kids in the beginning and don't let them use these apps in, in these chat rooms without you being right there mm-hmm. and aware, not on your phone, not watching TV, not reading a book, mm-hmm. but actually present and in the moment with your kid and talking about their conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I had kind of thought, you know, originally that without the same types of financial circumstances for children um that they're you know what was the big deal what was the downside but you've you've really opened my eyes up Ren, to the fact that boy was i wrong about that but and it makes me kind of worry in terms of connected toys in general should we just maybe just stay away from those i don't i don't think that's realistic okay. um, you know it, it seems to be and, and this is the challenge is that um, there's an evolution that's happening mm-hmm. we don't really understand where it's going mm-hmm. <laughs> but we know uh, that because of all these new technologies that on a, on a very global sense, the way we communicate with each other is changing, but that's also changing our personalities. Right. So one of the things that's happened since the advent of the internet is we've globally become more introverted. Huh. And we have more introvert-like behaviors and cultural norms. Yeah. Remember, introverts were the exception, right? That's right. And we're always the ones kind of picked on a little bit because they were shy or they were aloof, depending on how someone decided to interpret it. Mm-hmm. Um, because extroverts were considered the norm. Mm-hmm. And we know in just 25 years, uh, introverts are becoming the norm. Yes. And extroverts are the atypical. Um, so those are... These are things, and I bring this up because these are things that our culture is evolving, and we just have to be aware that this evolution is going on, Mm -hmm. um, that these changes are happening, and try as best as we can as adults, and especially for our children, to be predictive. Our job as parents and as any adult around children is... um, And this is stealing from Dr. Phil, but I've always liked this analogy. It's very visual. Mm -hmm. It's our job to help them see around corners. Oh, okay. They literally don't have the brain, because the frontal cortex is the last part that's developed, and that doesn't become adult until about 25, 26, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the part of the brain that can be predictive and can see around corners, that can say, okay, I don't know what's around that corner, but based on my experience and based on this and that, I am pretty sure I know what's going to happen. So, like, if I know I take a picture of my credit card and I post, oh, this is my brand new credit card. I'm so excited. My limit just got raised. I'm going to put it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My young brain, and this has had people have done this, 14, 15-year-old children have done this, by the way, doesn't think anything of that. 
they're just excited to be sharing this new event that happened in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Any of us over who have the developed frontal cortex go, oh my God, so many people are going to take that and they're going to steal it and they're going to use that card and do bad things. Yes, hello. Right? Yeah. So that's the seeing around corners piece. As adults, that's our job for children is to see around those corners for them. So as we do more online games, um, what are we doing to think about what are the kind of things that could go wrong? So security breaches. Right. Bullying. Cyberbullying. You know, those are the two big things right now. And that also, like I said, means us too because... We see this every day. If you're on Facebook or in your Tumblr, you see this every day. Parents sharing just a little too information about their kids. Yes. And they're just, it's not neglect or anything. It's just they're not thinking about it. Right. This is stuff that they would normally share with someone face-to-face, so why wouldn't they put it on Facebook? Well, yeah. Well, because first of all, it's not your information. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So it really isn't yours to share. And two, you're sharing it with a much larger audience on Facebook Mm -hmm. than you would be if it was a face-to-face conversation. Well, that's that's exactly right. So if you wouldn't stand in front of a theater crowd and share that information about your child, you probably shouldn't be putting it online. (laughs) Boy, that's really good advice. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So if you're not going to stand like in the um, you know biggest shopping mall in America, if you're not going to be in Mall of America mm-hmm. with a big sign says this about your child, probably shouldn't be online. That's just like borderline common sense, if if you ask me. But it's not because this is all so new for us, and like I said, we're still evolving the social norms and everything around. All this new technology, we're, we haven't trained ourselves and we haven't been trained by society to think about these things yet. Right. And that's why I've given you, guys, you, know, I've given you these visual metaphors mm-hmm. to take it out of the online world and to think about it in the real world where we do have these social norms and we are trained to think about these things. Right. Right? And to help people... Make the context shift. You know what? If I wouldn't do this in Mall of America, if I wouldn't tell everybody, you know, this information about my child in Mall of America, I'm not going to do it on Facebook. That's a good point. And so, I mean, that that's why I use these is is to help people understand it is the same context. And here's the rule. <laughs> the yeah, context it's, rule. It's the Ren Mall of that America. That you would rule. use here, it applies over there too. So the exact same rule. Right. So Ren, with the time we've got left, um sure. you, you you listed them earlier, but could you give us that uh that list, the things to do to protect the, the privacy of children in the cyber cyber world? Do you mind sharing those with us again? Sure. So um the first filter is remember to work with your children and yourself, to not share anything that a predator could use mm-hmm. to convince your child that they're not a stranger. Okay. Strangers mean danger, but that's why predators try and make it present themselves as, as if your child already knows them. Okay. So 
Um, one of the things I've been recommending to people is don't have your child use their real name online. Right. Have an online name, nickname, anything that you don't use in real life. That's a really easy way. Never share address, never share phone number, never share birth date, your full birth date in particular. Mm -hmm. This goes for adults, too. Mm -hmm. Don't ever put those things online. Okay. Like on my Facebook, you can't see the year. Yeah. Okay? That's very smart, yeah. <laughs> and you, you'd have to do some work to figure it out. So you'd, you'd have to seriously do some work. Mm -hmm. um, because it's not anywhere. The year's not anywhere. And I make sure that other information out there that is does have a year. You can't derive my age from it. So you can't figure out the year from birth. Hmm. Um, so, you know, don't make it easy for people to figure it out. Right? Yeah, <laughs> for or yourself the year or you, for your children. You don't share address. Don't even share the name of your street. Yeah. By the way. Um, one of the things that I've been really working with parents on is teaching their kids not to share the city or the state they live in either. Yep. Um, if your child has an unusual name, then you really need to work and make sure that you're not sharing their real name online. Okay. Like if, if I had a child and my child's name was Rin, as unusual as mine, mm -hmm. there's no way their real name would be out there. Because yep. it would be too easy. A quick Google search and any predator could, predator could figure out where my kid was. Don't or, do or uh, yeah, it, it could be a, a predator. It could also be um, uh, a custody battle that went wrong. There's, yeah, yeah there's a lot of reasons. The other thing, like we said, it was be more vigilant. <laughs> you should be vigilant with your own information that can be used to steal your identity. You should be a little bit more vigilant with your child. Right. And if you are not monitoring your child's credit, you should be. Let's start that today. Right. And you don't need to look every month, but you're probably going to want to look more than once every 18 years, which is what most parents do. Yeah, like they don't you look until they go to college. Yeah, like you said. Um, so it, it would be worth it to you and your kid, your child, your children, long term, to purchase one of those low-cost monitoring systems or services, I should say, misspoke. Right. Um, but these, these are simple things, and it's really about... Getting into that habit, developing good habits about how we present ourselves and present our children who are far more vulnerable online. Well, those are excellent tips and they don't sound expensive or difficult. And, you know, even for people who, who really never had children or their kids are grown, you know, news like the VTech hack should and at least does get my attention, but more importantly, it should get the attention of corporate leaders and help guide the choices that they're making because who knows that one of their kids' data could be mm -hmm. could be compromised. Well, that's going to do it for this week on the Guardian podcast. You can 
be in touch with Wren directly at her website, which is www.wrenmelberg.com. And please be sure and come back next week for another edition of the Guardian Podcast with Wren Melberg.